Hi, I'm Eddie. I run a comic shop and publish my own comic strip. And I'm Roger, and I run a comic shop and my very own Comic-Con. And I'm Joe, a lifelong fan who does all the real work to make our show go. Every week, we'll discuss the newest insider info that you won't get from your favorite comics and talk to some of our favorite creators and publishers. So come take a peek behind the counter with Tales from the Comic Shop, part of the Geek Nerd Network. Weekly on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. children you are a sad strange little man you have my pity. farewell oh yeah buzz like you you're now oh, you're an action figure you are a child's plaything. and this is the buzz lightyear aisle back in 1995 short-sighted retailers did not order enough dolls to meet demand oh won't somebody please think of the children i think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye, the movie podcast where we talk about movie franchises and what they mean and why we keep watching all these sequels. Today we're talking about one of the greatest sequels of all time, uh, the rare movie that truly outperforms uh, the film that came before it, uh, even though that film is amazing in its own right, Toy Story 2. Uh, and we're we're just so excited to talk about this today. We've brought together uh, our regular uh, gang from Andy's Toy Box. Uh, that's me. I'm I'm Andy Wilson. I'm your host. And uh, here with me, uh, our own Bo Peep herself. Did you just make us all your toy? <laughs> I was like, if I end up in your basement oh. again. <laughs> yes, you are all in my... better than a bathtub, I'll be your toy. <laughs> I don't want to play with you anymore, JB. That's how, oh. that's how toys get played with at our old house. They all got oh. took in the bathtub. Like, that's how you know it was a good toy. All I yeah, need is, all I need is it's an just a pop seam. It's just yeah. a pop seam, Andy. <laughs> Here comes um, an M80 up my ass with Andy getting rid of me. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Brooke, you uh, you signed into the podcast today with the name Bo Peep. Uh, yeah. Did you? Is that is that foreshadowing for Toy Story Four or? I haven't just... seen them yet. I don't. <gasps> you haven't. Oh my gosh! You hold on to your bonnet for Toy Story Four with Bo Peep. That's all I will say. <laughs> oh my I God. was I was feeling a lack of creativity and a little bit creepy for watching all these toys from the outside. So I'm oh. both I'm Bo Peeps. Peeps. Oh oh I see it. See it. So it's like right. a yeah. see clearly not a good joke if I have to <laughs> No no no, but I like it. You're you're doing the you're doing the uh the the rear window thing. You're just voyeuristically <laughs> looking in on 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 all this fun i love it um also uh who who spoke up for uh taking toys in the bath in the wilson household when we were younger uh my younger sibling kit how how you doing i am only slightly moist thank you (laughs) (laughs) intro ever toys that we that are you know were in the the bathtub with us i just have to say this couldn't get any better 
I was also Starting thinking about so well. the the Amanda Palmer song because I know you love Amanda Palmer. I do. Uh, but coin operated boy, or you can even take yeah. him in the bath. That was how which... I knew that Amanda Palmer would be like my my you know musical soulmate for life. Uh, which she changes in concert to something different um, and much more kinky. <laughs> but yes uh and and uh the the buzz to my woody or the woody to my buzz whichever whichever sounds oh less, <laughs> less weird oh, I, I think whoever has the woody at the, whoever has the woody at the time i think is this, how this is my new favorite intro to any podcast <laughs> we've ever done well uh how are you doing jb i am good i am good as always uh my buzz woody um, dear friend, so or is it BJ? What, what I mean, are we doing what, here? You know, I, it's funny because I used to get picked on for my name, and that was like the thing that people say. And I learned really quickly that if you go, "Hey, shut up about my night job," no one would ever pick on you after that. So, <laughs> <laughs> especially in Provo, it's like, "Oh, you made it real." And, uh, and now Brooke, it feels bad. And Brooke, I just want you to know that I, I picked a very special name for today. It is Voulez-vous Goulet avec moi. And shout out to Wheezy. Uh, Wheezy. Oh, when people people ask me about um, my last name, being a sex coach now, Mm -hmm. they're like, is it really Heim? And I'm like, yes, it's just like Hyman, only I lost that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and then they shut up about it too, JB. So yeah. 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 No. All right. Um, briefly missing uh, the, well, I don't, I won't, I won't assign Melissa a toy. She'll, she can do that herself when she's here, but uh, who, whoever she wants to be, but uh, she is delayed. She will join us soon. Um, Again, shout out to Melissa specifically because she nominated this franchise because it is top to bottom, just one of the best. And boy, howdy, what an amazing film. Um, I know we normally talk about the first time we saw this, but I want to cut straight to the case, straight to the chase. Um, Brooke, I know this was the first time that you saw this, and I I have to hear, I just have to hear about your experience with this first. I mean, that's kind of fucking rude. What? Um, I'm kidding. That's so <laughs> sad. <gasps> it is. It's it a is very just, sad movie. It's very sad. I have, like I said, I always have it playing while we're talking, because I just like the constant reminders, because I brain doesn't work after those concussions last year and um the the song is what's playing right now in the background the the jesse the cowgirl song mm -hmm. and it's heartbreaking and um my neurodivergent brain is a really complicated place and when i watch these movies i carry so much guilt about all the things i've done to all of my toys (laughs) <laughs> it gets like a, but then I think about all of the the friends and things. I I had a very complicated relationship with toys growing up. It's so stupid. Okay, I don't even know if I can get into it. This movie brought up a lot for me. Yeah. I am. Um, 
my toys are my protectors in a really like a very real way. Um, oh yeah. The first time that I was ever harmed and assaulted by my stepdad, I got out of his bed at like the first chance I could and I ran into my room and hid in my toys and he couldn't find me again. And so like watching these movies, sorry if that's too dark, you can cut all this out. No, no, no. Um, they were very real to me and I carried a doll with me all through all of junior high actually I wouldn't I couldn't leave him alone until my mom got divorced from him and to see the but then to now like know how important those dolls were like I think of this one particular cabbage patch doll that my sister gave me that was like the one that I like clung to all the time because I I wanted my sisters and and they weren't living with us at the time they were forced to move out and so um and but now I don't know where that doll is it's mm. in a box at my mom somewhere, I think. <laughs> it's like, it just, but then you think about, you know, we moved a lot as well. So I, then I start thinking about all of the friends that I have that we moved away from and I lost contact with. And it's, it's hard for me to stay in touch with people as you probably know more than anyone. I can just shut and compartmentalize really well. And so I watch these things and it's not that they ever meant less to me or left my heart in any way. I just, have these little boxes that shift around and so watching these these toys and their experiences and thinking about all of the people that have been in my life who've meant so much but that I am really bad at keeping up with um yeah it brought up a lot but it was yeah. it was a beautiful movie it was really relatable for it being about a bunch of freaking toys gosh and it's so funny too like all of the jokes that they play, like my favorite gag is the one where the dinosaur is running behind them. Uh, <laughs> the other toys in the, in the car, like I thought That's that Jurassic was Park. Yeah. hysterical. Um, it's just, yeah, it's really beautiful how they can... And I'm sure the experience is different for everyone, right? But like watching our toys and remembering all these things and kind of being transported back into the magic of life. Is, it was really cool to watch. I liked it and I cried a lot. It Thanks. really was. Yeah, you know, Andy. It's it and Brooke. I I love what you said, especially at the end. I this movie I think is a in in many ways about two really important themes and themes that I love, which are legacy and mortality. Right, because Woody's whole pathway is what is this legacy, right? What do I leave? Is it this relationship I have with this child, right? This this group, or is it this? I'm this unique toy, um, so I can live in, in, in this world or this one, right? And which one do I choose and why? Yeah. Um, but I also love the mortality piece of, you know, as a toy, what happens, in, and Brooke, you hit on this, what, what happens when you're done? Um, and I think that comes in two ways. One is when Buzz goes to the super Buzz shelf and sees all these other Buzzes, right? And then yeah. also this, this mortality of, where do you go when you're done? Um, you know, whether it's entropy or, or what have you, um, you know, Brooke, the, the toys that live on through us that we remember and, and that were valuable to us. And, um, you know, I don't want to talk too much about it now because I'm sure we'll get into it. But but I really liked uh, that the movie in, you know, an hour basically could hit on both of those points, uh, as you said, Brooke, in a very adult and meaningful sort of way. Like, what what is our legacy? Who are we? 
who are we as people? You know, what what road do we choose? Um, and also mortality wise, how do we live with those choices fully? Right? How do we get the most out of? Um, and and I think we talked about this a lot on the the podcast, but it's always interesting to me how sometimes the the least suspecting places are the ones that teach you that lesson the best, right? Animated movies or movies about animals. Or they, these movies do a really good job of hitting on these important points. And and so, yeah, Brooke, I'm I'm 100 with you. And and I think those were the two themes that I thought were a lot more powerful in this one than the first one, um, which is why I liked it more. Again, you know, you already had your yeah. characters developed and you could expand on those thematically. So yeah, Brooke. I didn't... I, it's amazing. I didn't see it coming. Yeah, <laughs> like I was, I was entirely unprepared. I was like, "Oh, the first one was cute. That was funny." And I'm like, "We blow up our toys, whatever." <laughs> yeah, maybe a sociopath. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> then we get to this one, and I'm like, "Oh, my whole heart!" Yeah. Like, gosh. Yeah. 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 Uh, shout out to Melissa, returning champ, who has has just appeared. Um, Welcome to our toy box, Melissa. <laughs> as, Andy, as Andy led with, of hey, welcome to all my toys. <laughs> hey, the basement is open for business. Yeah. <laughs> this is my kind of toy box, right? Here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> so, Melissa, what, tell us your your history with this and um, and and what you generally feel about it. So um, I, I think I mentioned last week that uh, my bestie Sophia and I went to see that first one and, you know, we were like at a late night showing went straight to Walmart back when they were open 24 hours and uh, we bought a bunch of the toys and stuff. And that's how she's got it. She got into like um, Mr. Potato Head, which is funny because I just bought her a Mr. Potato Head uh, thing for to give her for Christmas just this weekend. So you know, but that started her love for it. And, you know, we like my love for Woody, as we've talked about. And so, of course, we had to go see this one in the theater. There was no waiting for it. And uh, yeah, it was it was more of a sabling with this one. I don't know it. I mean, I've always said how I think a lot of these animated Disney movies are more adult than they let on. And even the kids love them because they love anything animated. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but the, the themes in this, the, the the story, it felt sometimes cynical in some parts, and but yet so hopeful in a way that Toy Story is. And it, it sort of, for me, it was like, like life. Like you go back and forth and there's things are going swimmingly and then all of a sudden there's this big peril and you need to find your way out of it. And it was weird because it came at a time in my life I was a young adult and I you know there was a lot of like crossroads that I was going to have to go through soon out you know when, when I was watching that and it it was just so weird it felt like life in a sense does that make sense I don't know if I'm totally this right yep. totally it, it felt like the decisions and the ups and downs and the roller coaster of life in a lot of ways and I thought this can't be for kids. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to get this. Yeah. They're not going to understand this because they haven't done anything yet. They don't have any responsibilities yet. They don't understand that part of life, you know? Um, 
I mean, there's a lot of humor and jokes that both adults and kids will laugh at, but this is meant for grown-ups for sure. Yeah. Kit, what was the first time you you got to see this? I honestly do not remember the first mm. time I saw this. I feel like this was one of those movies that was probably underrated in our house because it didn't have Nemo in it or something. Um, but, and I, I, I feel very much the same way as Melissa, that it's amazing how formative these movies are, but also like this, this is part of the generation of, I think what Disney called family movies where, or maybe Don Bluth, but there was an animation company that basically started out to make movies, not for kids, but for families. So something with enough heart and bones that adults would enjoy themselves when their children watched it and that could grow up with the kids as they you know and have it be something that they enjoyed as they grew and so i think like this is a really good example like melissa said of something that on its surface is just delightful except for that one you know that one bit with the song where you're heart breaks open and there's no candy inside of it um but speak for yourself you, you, oh, well, i got I plenty mean, of candy in my heart i know i'm on keto so <laughs> just bacon in there anyway. um anyway but you know like watching it as an adult and like jb is talking about legacy but i'm looking at it like aging and the themes of aging and an identity and how we feel about ourselves as we as we get older and those around us get older or those around us seem to get younger and we're you know constantly surrounded by people with less experience or different viewpoints and like you know we have a perspective and a history and like our our knowledge that we've built across like across my my professional career and you know to to be exposed to somebody who is like yeah well that's not been my experience or like hey guess what you're really valuable about this but like i'm just imagining it like this is this is like if somebody came in and said oh indiana jones you have a doctorate of anthropology you should teach at Oxford and never go on any more adventures, but we're going to pay you like a million pounds. Um, like that le level of opportunity. Cause I'm like, what would if, you know, imagining, you know, a toy story three where Woody is at a, a toy museum in Tokyo is a completely different movie than Lotso Huggins bear. Yeah. You know, spoilers guys. Totally. Um, but and, and I was just like, you know, that's got to be really hard if you see yourself one way and then you go to a place where people both are really impressed by you, but see you a completely different way than you see yourself. It's like, that's, that's heady. That's very, you know, but, but I feel, I feel that deep in myself. And so it's, I, I, yeah, I'm very impressed by the storytelling in, in these movies, but also the delightful candy coated outside of them. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, yeah, to, to have thought like, oh, my entire existence is I'm a toy. I'm Andy's toy. That's all I am. And I'm 
the most important thing to him until Buzz comes along, but I'm mm -hmm. one of the most important things to him. And then to find out like, oh, I was actually like this cultural phenomenon 30 years ago. For um, about five minutes. Yeah, but, for, but like, yeah. but I was a big deal for a hot minute and I'm important and like historically important and valuable and rare and like this belongs in the museum. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, my my experience with this movie was um, uh, maybe a little unique. Um, I was I was back in the country for like two months at this point after having spent two years in Russia. And I was living with uh, our our mutual roommate, uh, Davey, in this house in, in San Diego. Uh, our, our friend Davey, uh, he was my older brother's roommate, then I was his roommate, then JB was his roommate, and Kit was his roommate at the same time. Uh, but like, yeah, so all of us have Davy stories and, and we love Davy and we miss him dearly. Um, but uh, Davy loved movies. He loved animation. Um, and me being back, uh, you know, I'm desperately trying to catch up on like all of the pop culture that I've missed over the last two years. And, um, and so it was fairly regular that Davy and I would go to the uh, the AMC 20 at Mission Valley. Nice. Uh, and we'd, yeah, we'd go, we'd just go, we'd buy movie tickets and then we'd like either hang out in the Wizards of the Coast store or go get some like some cheese fries at Ruby's and like, and then, and then go see a movie. Um, so we went to go see Toy Story 2 together and it was a late night show. It was like a, a 10.30, 10.45 show and there weren't that many people in there. Um, I should also mention as background to this, why this was so emotionally effective on me was, um, while I had been away, uh, for, for two years out of country, I had been pretty seriously dating this girl before, before I left and as a tale as old as time for Mormon missionaries, uh, she married someone else. Literally, she got married like three weeks before. I came home. So it was a little sad and traumatic. And I was, you know, heartbroken by that. Um, and went through a lot of like very depressing, like times just dealing with that, uh, which is like very mopey. And, you know, I'm not proud of that time or whatever, but um, anyway, when when we went and saw this and that cowgirl song came on um holy cow uh like i was bawling like i had never i had never cried at any movie ever in my life um i'm a person who cries at movies but that is the most that i have ever that any movie has ever liked elicited an emotional response from me um holy cow um yeah um this is an amazing movie and 
I can't wait for after we talk about number three so I can figure out whether I like this or three better because they're just so close. I, I think this is a nearly perfect film and I just, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I three is good. I don't know thematically if, I, I mean, you, you kind of get the, the benefit of continuing to, to break ground each time, right? But mm -hmm. I'm with you. There's just something about this movie and I think that seems to be the takeaway we all have from it is this is really a very, very adult movie shined up as a kid's movie. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm already listening to what we're all taking away from it and um, different forms of you know, mortality and security and, you know, historical things, both past and present in us. And you don't find very many movies like that, um, that, that are so meaningful in so many different ways. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I liked the third one, but I don't know. I don't know how close it gets to this one in terms of that. Um, so it, it will be interesting. Yeah. And the I think the most miraculous thing about all of this is the pressure cooker that this film was produced under. Um, after A Bug's Life came out and did so well, uh, Disney decided like, oh, hey, these guys at Pixar really know what they're doing. We like what we've seen so far from Toy Story 2, which had up to that point uh, been planned as a straight to video release, no pressure. And then they're like, no, never mind. It is coming out Thanksgiving of 1999. And, um, and you, they couldn't do anything about that date. Um, John Lasseter had just finished with turning around a bug's life and had been planning on taking like a month long vacation. But with this looming deadline, um, they were like, uh, this movie needs a lot of work. They completely rewrote everything in a weekend and, um, got to work making this movie on an incredibly tight timeline is actually a miracle that they were able to put it together. Um, in a lot of ways and it burned a lot of people out a lot it was pretty bad um, so you know this is this is also like the when when you hear the stories about uh, the filming of Apocalypse Now and like Martin Sheen having a heart attack on set and uh, and, and things like that it's like these same sorts of conditions that they're putting themselves through to create this and it's just outlandish um that would have but... made for some some weird deleted scenes though if you've got like woody having a mental breakdown in a hotel room punching an animated mirror i mean <laughs> while well, well, the doors this is the end is playing in the background <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. For him getting stuck in a tire have him like taking the drugs and smashing things and bleeding all over himself. but you know they could have made it sense they could have. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, in that like mindset, I don't know if you were going to cover this, Andy, and I don't want to step on your toes. No, go but for it. My, my partner shared a bit a nugget of trivia with me because I love I love nuggets of trivia. Mm -hmm. um, and apparently, sometime in the course of making this film, 
the entire movie got deleted off the Pixar servers. Yeah. Shut up. And an animator had a backup copy at home, so they were able to, like, restore it. But, like, I'm just, like, thinking about this pressure cooker and then that happening. I'm like, somebody is going to lose their gosh dang, you know, thing fang fangled mind. Like, you know, that's it. I'm going home. Screw this, I'm moving to Sparta. Yeah. Uh, Someone has never worked in this industry again, that's for sure. Well, yeah. Oi, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It, it, we are like, it's crazy the pressure that this movie was made under. And yeah, the fact that, that we got it and that it's so good. Yeah, is... they didn't, we didn't just get it. We got something phenomenal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty, pretty amazing. Um, what, Can what I say are... one thing real quick? Of course. Just like, I love that both Melissa and Kat talked about um, the impact of our decisions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because when Andy very first got into the apartment and he met, he was meeting all of the Woody cast, basically, um, and they were talking about the museum, there was this part of me that inside I was like, oh, well, why would that be bad? Because if he's really so worried about being put on a shelf and, like, he'll be on display forever and these different things, and then I, like, right. obviously you watch the rest of the the movie and everything plays out the way that it does, but um, this idea of how we make decisions and don't understand the impact of them until we're older, I felt like <clears throat> I really felt that in that moment of one of the decisions that I've made and and how impactful were they and I think that there are I mean there are a lot of things that we have to learn from painfully because of our own short-sightedness and in, in decision making or not even short-sightedness but just like different perspectives that we go through our lives with like I never thought choosing to switch my major to history would ever mean that I stopped playing music because music was my whole entire life and so now to not play music anymore, it's like I, I would never have seen that impact coming. And, and obviously a lot of other things like with relationships and stuff with people that I know. Um, but I love that there is a movie like this that kind of gives us a space to explore those emotions at the very least of like as we grow, like it's you said it's a, it's a movie that kind of grown with all of us or all of you <laughs> since I just saw it, but but having a space to to grow and rewatch something that is known and familiar and see it from different perspectives really lends like a very useful tool to us in humanity of being able to do the same with our own lives, go back and look at these different things and, and see them with new lenses and give ourselves grace or sadness or whatever it is that comes up, but, but having a space to explore those emotions and, and a safe, comfortable space that still has the humor and light to it, I think that's a really special gift that this movie contains for, for people who, who love it like you all do. Absolutely. But you all, as though you don't. <laughs> and me too. Yeah, all of us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> well, you know, as you know, in the Southern Texas vernacular, y'all means all of us including, including including me including me yeah. including me yeah 
Yeah. yeah. Just wanted to make sure we we don't we don't cotton to any <laughs> Toy Story two haters around here. <laughs> no, it, it. I didn't expect it. I didn't yeah, expect no. what this movie would be. Yeah, it's it's so unassuming, and also like just how ballsy of a move for them to start off the movie with like an extended Star Wars tribute. Serious. That's which like, then which then comes back in throughout the movie right? several times. Hilariously. Which uh, I think is is one of the interesting things about what places this in like that specific cultural zeitgeist of 1999 is like how crazy everyone was for Star Wars right. at this point, <laughs> you know, because because uh, of the prequels That's true. and yeah. you know, and so oh, of course, there's gonna be a ton of Star Wars stuff in here, and and there's gonna be 2001 and Jurassic Park and you know a, a bunch of other movie references, but. Um, I thought that was so much fun. And when they started that off and I'm like, oh, this is different. This is this is cool. Um, and I mean, not to not to harp on Lightyear. I don't mean to harp on it. But like the first two, three minutes of this movie, I, I had more fun with than like almost the entirety of Lightyear. And, you know, I wish we would have gotten an entire movie of that. And, uh, yeah. I thought I don't, that, too. I, I don't know what was missing there. But... Yeah. Uh, their sandwiches in this movie have too much bread. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and not enough Taika Waititi. So, I'm going to disagree. Just on the whole three minutes of fun versus the, you know, the whole I liked Lightyear so, yeah. But no, I'm... I liked Lightyear. I think it's a. I think it's a good movie. It's a fine movie. But I there's think the difference between Lightyear and the beginning of this intro is this intro. We still know it's toys. That's and true. in Lightyear, it was like the, the it had human to take characters itself. of the. It had to take itself seriously. Yeah. In Lightyear, it, it did not have feel. to. Take it was like it was like if Kevin Smith was allowed to write a, you know, a Buzz Lightyear story and just have all the fun with all his toys in his toy box. That's what I feel like the first three movie minutes of this movie was. Except there'd be a lot more dick jokes in, uh, yeah, and, yeah, in Kevin's and, and some and some bongs. But... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's probably a, a, a fairly obvious problem. I, I mean, just in terms of Lightyear, you're writing a children's movie but now you have to write it about an adult real person like the lines just seem blurry right and it would be really hard to pull off i think to where everybody would like it right just just because of that i mean I think, you, you, yeah. can't, you can't have that same silliness and, and animated whimsy when you're writing about a real person right exactly well, it, so. Which is why I think it's it's kind of a cursed premise. Exactly. Yeah, that's that, a good one to put. You know, whatever they were going to put out was just... It was never going to be this. It was never going to be as good as, you know, what's what's in Andy's 
imagination or in the video game that that Rex is obsessed with that he's having so much fun with because um, there's that magic of oh he's going to shoot the crystal and it's going to magically take out the army of 20,000 right. uh, robots right. yeah. it's silly but because we know this this isn't taking itself seriously whereas oh this is going to be a somewhat serious movie um, that just you know happens to be about space rangers or whatever right so right. yeah i mean i again i i like i like lightyear a lot i you know it's it, it's not as bad as everybody says but also i feel like it's just it, it's it's not this grading on the curve of like what pixar is normally able to do um and what uh and what these toy story movies have done it's just it is a, a little tougher. Um, yeah. But back to this movie, because this movie's great. Uh, what else really, really works for people here? Or do you have any gripes? I mean, my only flaw with this movie is the is the music. I mean, you, you have a great song, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like in general, it's they sort of rehashed old ground, even though I love having Goulet sing Oh, yeah, the song at the end, but you know that I think that's it's not a it's not like there are other films that's driven musically, right? Music's just kind of a, an afterthought in a way. Yeah. Um, so I think characterization. I mean, it's kind of like we talked about. How do you pick the best side character or those kinds of things? But I, I think if my only only gripe would be. Um, sort of a scattershot approach to the the soundtrack um in some way but other than i mean other than that i don't know what you'd find fault with in this film um in that regard other than that yeah bechdel test fail sausage party um (laughs) although technically you know they're they're probably not anatomically correct toys so (laughs) are they technically male or female um, I think my only gripe with this film is is that that you know, it, it's, yeah, it and continues it is the, to be. Yeah, it is the it is the American way that like you know, and you can't argue with me until you've gone to Target and written a paper about the toys there, and they're very obviously boys' toys and girls' toys. So yeah. it's like, I guess I can't be mad at Pixar for the fact that in America there are boys' toys and girls' toys, and boys don't get a lot of dolls that or like just characters that, you know, are supposed to be female or, you know, different in in that way. Um, So that's my gripe, but I think it's also that like, I I don't know, maybe because I'm reading Dresden Files and they're talking about like mind, you know, mind effery, uh, but like are Bo Peep and Woody romantically involved because they want to be, or are they romantically involved because they're basically the alpha male and the only girl in the nursery? Right. Like because because you know Andy made Bo his love interest. Is that why they're, you know, in love or are they in love or is is it just like, hey, you you're the only girl, so you're everyone's girl. girlfriend, like Wendy. And so she has to be, and she's the one who's damseled, and yeah. the monkeys are gonna, you know, yeah, take mm-hmm. her out or whatever. So yeah, I I agree. I mean, 
thank you for Mrs. Potato Head. She's awesome. She is probably my favorite side character, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, but once again, I mean, I think this goes back to, you know, the, the history of Pixar and the fact that it was, uh, and was at this time, a very male dominated company. And, you know, the, the creatives on this, it's, you know, it's Andrew Stanton and John Lasseter and Pete Docter. Um, and they do finally have one, one female scriptwriter, uh, Rita, uh, Rita Sow. Um, but other than, you know, you know, one of four, uh, screenwriters does not, you know, make gender equity. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that is a, that is a gripe, but it also, it also still works and and they're making baby steps by you know i mean jesse is is the the third character in this movie she's the you know um it's now it's it's woody and buzz and jesse well and i i really like that it really showed that they had a female friend and there wasn't a lot of romantic pressure until Buzz had Spanish mode. Um, it's like, I, yeah. I walk that back. But at least like most of this movie, there was no romantic, like will they or won't they between Buzz and, or sorry, between Woody and Jesse. It was right. just like, hey, you're my new best friend. And like, they just had a really great time together. Um, and so I did, I did really like that, so. Agreed. And that's, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about that with with Spanish mode buzz, which is a whole a whole thing that I I love very much. But anyway, we'll we'll get to that. But yeah, I I agree. I I like that a lot too. That they're you know they're they're just platonic friends. And they're you know part of the same playset without having to be necessarily romantically attached. Um. And, and not to get too, too ahead of ourselves, I mean, Kit, to answer, it's possible that Toy Story 4 is trying to answer that question and make up for some of that, like, kind of problematic thing. It's like, it, it's spoiler alert in 4, but it seems like Bo Peep, like, continues to have feelings for Woody long after you know mm -hmm. this so so i don't know i mean but but from just the point of view of this movie yeah it's you know she's she's the only you know she and uh well she's the only unpaired female in the uh um in the group i was just enjoying how meta it is to have a character playing sideshow Bob playing a toy. Um, I mean, how 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 much better could you do tying an animated character into another animated character? Because he really is. He's sideshow Bob as a prospector. The prospector. So, yeah, it's, I mean, he yeah. is one hundred percent his his sideshow. I mean, the voice, his inflection, um, subterfuge. I mean, if it, it, that was what cracked me up the most is if you close your eyes you're like that's sideshow bob 
I gotta well, get into this. But I mean, Kelsey Grammer just has that voice. It really is. But and, what, like, how, what a perfect usage of it, you know? You know, same reason when he shows up <clears throat> in the X-Men movies as, as Hank McCoy, as Beast. And he's like, oh, my stars and garters. You're like, uh, Kelsey Grammer, like, he's, he's <laughs> good at this. Yeah. He's really good at this. So, yeah. That's one of my biggest questions for you all is I felt a big sadness for Stinky Pete for the Stinky prospector. Pete? Oh, yeah. And what, like, why couldn't they, like, I don't know. I, I wanted him to go along with them and finally get a life and be played with. And I'm, like, really sad about that not happening. Well, well he was he was always the bad guy in the um, TV show, right? In the the there. No, I mean, not not necessarily. It seemed like he, he was, was the more the confident sidekick. I right. just, I just wonder if the flaw is that no one would play with him, so that's why he wanted to just be in a museum. Because I know what you mean, Brooke. That that was just my thought. Is 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 it just inevitable that he'll never be taken out of the box? Right. That I mean, is so sad. It is. Yeah. But, you know, he, he gets to be taken home by Amy, who is an artist. So, <gasps> look, Dolly, it's a big, ugly man. <laughs> so, that's, uh, you know, that's, I, I mean, yeah. I But I agree. <laughs> I agree, Brooke. Like, it... it it is sad because if if the entire purpose of a toy is to be played with and he gets left in a box, right. you understand why he is also traumatized. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Jesse is traumatized, but but he has his own form of trauma and he sees this as as the only way out. Like, well, yeah. he's not in a box because he was chosen and preserved and, like, like his line about sitting on a dime store shelf and watching all the other toys. We- I was just like, that's so sad. Yeah. This, this, is, this is a really heavy fucking movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, but... and, yeah. and the, like, he's really speaking to Woody's insecurities, too, mm-hmm. talking about, like, oh, these space toys came in, you know, as soon as Sputnik happened, then nobody wanted to play with cowboys anymore. And, you know, that's got to hit Woody, too, where he's like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, maybe Andy, there is a time where Andy will not want to play with me anymore. And, you know, he'll only want to play with Buzz. Um, So I think that helps motivate him as well. But he, like, you know, sort of sees where this is going. Yeah. yeah. I just, I guess I just wanted him to have some sort of redemption arc where, like, he got to put down his fears and be played with and, like, be a different version of himself as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's too, that's probably overcomplicating all of this, but, like, my, my little heart was just like, the, what a about the prospector give him a chance well, he'll, certainly, for Pete. he'll certainly be different after that makeover 
Yeah. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be a whole new person. <laughs> yeah. I, but yeah, I, you know, I it's, see. It is. It's the whole, you've got to have a, a quote unquote villain, right, Andy? I mean, that's mm-hmm. problematic in a lot of films. Is, um, I think, as we talked about, Disney got better at not having, and Pixar about not having a villain, you know, in, in the Cocos and in Contos, right? Um, but I think this was still back in those periods where, well, you have to have some evil force, I guess, driving the plot forward. I'm not sure how you'd frame that, but no. Yeah. Well, there has to be an antagonist. And yeah. I mean, that's the way plotting is always like, is always explained. It's like, Oh, your protagonist has to come up against something that they have to get around. And right. that creates growth. And so what is that antagonist? And in, in this you you get multiple layers of antagonist because you get, uh, you also get uh, Newman as the as as Al from Al's Toy Barn. Uh, I hate that chicken man. Yeah, we hate that chicken <laughs> man. You know, uh, you know he's a, uh, you know he's he's the real antagonist. Um, right. And and I think that's why it's it's nice because you don't see Stinky Pete's betrayal until it's too late. I mean, I certainly didn't see it coming. That like elicited a, a gasp from me when I when I saw. I'm like, oh, he's out of his box. Oh my gosh, he's been behind this the whole time. But um, yeah, I mean, I but yeah, I think they were still. I mean, this was the late '90s. You still had to have antagonists, and and uh, you know they have to have their their comeuppance. I mean, at least this isn't up where they just drop him off an airship and he falls to his doom. So, you know, there's that. But Melissa, I feel like we haven't heard from you in a while. Do you? What are What are you thinking about? <laughs> I, I was just listening um, to everything. Um, it is funny that Newman just continues to play all the bad guys. You know, um, I like he was one of the bad guys in Jurassic Park, which had a callback in this yep. movie. Um, yep. Uh, with, with um, wh- who was it? Was it, who, who was the one that saw the shadow? Rex's shadow. Um, well, they're, they're all in the, they're all in the car yeah. being driven by Barbie in the, in the toy aisle. Right. And yeah. so it's Buzz that and whole, Potato that, Head. And... That whole sequence in the toy store was amazing. So good. like, oh my god, it, it was really great, and you know, it takes you back like to days when when you had toys that you know. I mean, a lot of adults still have toys these days, but they keep them in boxes and in condition, trying to for a collection that you're never gonna sell them. So you might as well just use you know, right? Why keep them like that? I don't understand people because you know they're not gonna sell them, but whatever. Play with your toys, yeah. yeah. But the Funko boxes are half the prettiness. And then well, are they really? That's yeah. a little. I don't know. Yeah, Funko. I I feel like Funkos are a little bit different, just because they're they're a lot harder to store and deal with when they're out of the boxes, and it's a lot easier to just stack them on top of each other when you yeah. don't have to. But yeah, take them. But like real toys, you know, like yeah, I take all my action figures out. 
I mean, my daughter I loved know. my strawberry shortcake Funkos, and they smelled like the originals. <gasps> they were oh, that smell, dude! That box. smell is like a big part of my childhood. What those mm -hmm. strawberry shortcake ones smell like? Oh my god! You should get the Funkos because they're really? pretty cool. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No I only the only Funkos I have I have a Princess Leia one, or two different Princess Leia ones, and then, um, uh, the Rose siblings from Schitt's Creek. And they're <laughs> I love them, David and um, Alexis. And uh, I, they are out of the box and on my desk. And yes, I play with them sometimes while I'm working. Because um, I, I don't, I, I don't, especially the Shit's Creek one. I'm never really gonna have a lot of value. I don't think, you know. So, you know, that's still kind of a niche show. So I just, you know, I play with them sometimes. You know, mostly they just stay there because they make me happy just to see them. Because yeah. I love that show so much. Um, but. Yeah, that the, but the sequence in the toy store was amazing, and all all these little Easter eggs, I guess you would call them, and stuff. And and it's funny to have some of those Easter eggs because, you know, some of them like Jurassic Park don't have anything to do with Disney, but then others like Star Wars would later have something to do with Disney a lot. Right. So um, I don't know. It just like one of the many layers of this movie, really. Um, but but the theme of abandonment, I think we all have felt that like especially if you if your parents were divorced like mine mm. um you know i mean my mom's been divorced three times so you you, you have that feeling or at least i did growing up i know y'all grew up very differently from me and so you probably never had to deal with that um but it's no we all had we all of us are parents of divorce oh so really we, yeah Yep. That's amazing. So you all understand a little bit mm. then. Totally. What I'm trying to say, like, like, it hit a little too hard. And, and honestly, I think at first, when I first saw this movie, I was still delighted because there's a lot of delightful things in there. But there was like this little feeling in me that just, it hit a little too close to home. And I didn't watch it again for a long time um, because it made me feel things that were good and then other things that I didn't want to feel that I was not prepared to deal with at the time. Um, mm. And so I didn't see, unlike the first one, I did not see this one again for many, many years. And revisiting it again now, this is probably the one I've seen the least out of the whole franchise. Well, other than, you know, Lightyear, which I've only seen the one time, but um, it's probably the one I've seen the least amount of times, even though it's arguably you know, one of the best ones. So it, it it's just funny um, listening to y'all talk about it. And, you know, I know I haven't said much, but it, it's hard to explain when something makes you feel a certain way that's not always great and yet you loved it. That mm -hmm. sounds contradictory, but that's just sort of how this movie made me feel at the time. No, I've got a couple of, of those movies yeah. where it's like, oh yeah that hit me super hard in the feels and I can't, I just can't watch it again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, but it, it's crazy that this movie about animated toys, <laughs> like is, is, is so impactful on a bunch of people who are like, you know, in, in their early mid twenties when, yeah. when they first saw it. And or their early mid forties, or their well, totally rocked my world. <laughs> and, and, yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> that too. Ah, it's such an amazing film and a tribute to the the art that they that they put into this. Um Yeah. Any kit. Sorry, I was trying to mute because a train is coming. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I did that to... earlier too, where I put the hand up and I meant to mute. I was like, well, oh, you okay. Just, you, <laughs> you just cut that out, maybe. You don't have anything to say? Is just the train was coming? It's just the train was coming. And oh, I didn't okay. Want to and, the tra- and the train is Spanish Buzz. So take us home, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've got a. I'll, I've got a way out of that. It, what, it, I don't there, think I've we, met Spanish Buzz yet, have I? No, we haven't. That's not until the third one. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's fun. Well, I think it's fun. We'll see what everybody else thinks. I don't know. I'll wait to um, see what Melissa thinks. <laughs> what? Oh, you want to know what? I, I'm going to keep that one for next movie. I was literally sitting here going, Melissa has like not said a word every time it's come up, and I need to know her thoughts now. I, I am Same. keeping that one under my hat till next week, y'all. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Her stylish cowgirl hat. As a, as a resident uh, Latina here, I'm just going to I'm gonna keep my mouth shut till next week. And that's no. very hard for me to do, by the way. Tune uh, tune in next week for the the big reveal. That's a seriously that, well that's done. Good. Can yeah. I can I just say though on the same sort of wavelength, a little off topic here. Yeah. Um, I there's a show that I I I used to really love, and I'm growing a little um, pissed at it lately. Called the uh, the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> the Great British Bake Off. They I watched did, like six episodes um, today. They did a Mexican week. I don't know, like two weeks ago. And fuck y'all. Just fuck, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> oh, but you did. We, we, we were talking about guacamole. What the fuck did she even? That's, just, I don't, that's not English or Spanish. I don't know what the fuck language that stupid bitch was saying. But these ignorant assholes. They started off with a Juan joke. A joke about Juan wearing sombreros. And it just went downhill from there. Uh-uh. And it just, they're just, I mean, yeah. you know, and, and taking our food and making a mockery of it. Fuck you. If you're going to do a whole week about Mexican food, then fucking learn about it a little bit. You know what I mean? Like they just, I couldn't believe how it, like this one guy, he, they, the, for the, they have three different things they have to make. The big one is called a showstopper. It's supposed to be like a, you know, like the ace, the, ace of cakes type thing or the you know what yeah. i mean like it's supposed to look really big and grand so he basically just did uh, it's supposed to be a thres leches cake right okay mm-hmm. well he basically just did a cake and then put a mustache on it and that somehow made it mexican a mustache oh, oh that's like bendejo needs to go get fucked <laughs> <laughs> i know and by and the way tres leches cakes are really hard to make they are tried- they have They're... tried several times, and I feel like I'm a pretty good baker, and I have ruined it every time. That's so. because really next... great bakery in Salt Lake that makes them. I got one for a birthday this year. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. So it's... 
No, it's because you know it's because the you know Mexican cuisine is surprisingly complex and beautiful, and people just don't understand like the love that goes into really authentic like like mole. Oh my god, if it's good. If it's been made for three days by, you know, an abuela. Sorry, Melissa, but I agree with you. So fuck those guys. Yeah, no, I, I could make a mole that would rock your world in less than an hour. But I can also make one that will just, like, you won't believe the amount of work that went into it. You know, also that it takes all day. There, there's a, there, But a lot of Mexican cuisine is complicated and it's... It takes years sometimes to master it. And they made these people do things that I don't understand. And, and then calling it Pico de Gallo, like at least learn that a two L's is pronounced like a Y, you motherfucking assholes. Yeah, like, I, right. you know, there's no excuse for that. If you're going to do, do even the most basic of research, just watching like a YouTube video on how to make Pico de Gallo, which isn't very hard to do, actually, would have said, you know, you would have known it's not Gallo. You know what I mean? Like, it just... I uh but well, anyway. here's what I don't understand. The British the British baking show is an institution. It is one of the most popular reality competition shows. It is certainly the most popular like cooking type show out there right now. Mm-hmm. What a missed opportunity to bring in a chef Jose Andres or mm-hmm. yeah. you know anyone rick martinez uh formerly of bon appetit like you could have gotten so many amazing people to come in and be like a celebrity judge for the week and like an advisor to like help people through all of this stuff yeah and it instead it like the fact that it all you know what killed me was the the woman who was trying to peel the avocado with the with the vegetable peeler. <laughs> uh, like you know, just give people like a couple of basic skills um, to help orient them with this stuff. And it just, I don't, yeah. Do they um, not have avocados in English? Well, it's and it was hard if you know Melissa. It was hard to tell if they were trying to be funny. <laughs> in a at like not even good funny or if they really were that you know just that poorly researched but either way it just seemed really really off-putting really bad taste and they did a japanese week a year or two ago that was just as offensive like the first thing they had them make was dumplings which are chinese not japanese oh my gosh it, it just um yeah, it kind of went downhill from there, but but uh, yeah, but thread slices cakes are hard to make. Like it, it, it's sort of like you go from it not being moist enough to just like it's too you know much. watered down yeah. much. Yeah, it's <laughs> but that's further proof that Mexican cuisine is something you know that that it's not just like tacos thrown out of a truck somewhere you know what i mean and even those those fillings take hours to make you know um it, it people misinterpret it especially because it's so they expect it to be cheap and inexpensive you know and uh, if they only knew the labor you know what i'm saying yeah, um, but anyway so somewhat so just it just reminded me of that and i had to I had to go off topic, so we'll, let, um, let, let, let's get back to this movie because this really is a great movie. Okay, but one one more thing, um, H E B has a 
pumpkin tea infused tres leches cake. Uh-huh. I haven't tried it yet, but I have to. That sounds um, amazing. They make it, good tres leches cakes there for a grocery store. Surprise they do. Yeah. I'm but I used to impressed. work for HEB, and I can tell you, like, 90% of the people work there are Mexicans, so that probably has something to do with it. Yeah, I think it helps. Brooke, did you have something else to say? or? Yes, um, I I put my hand up intentionally not to annoy Melissa, but... <laughs> Turn off in, your blinker! <laughs> instead, to ask her if she would... I mean, I know that I have a kid, but if you would please marry me, you could make me mole any day. Really, <laughs> <laughs> my kid. Do you like red mole? Because that's the one that's quick and easy to make and it's delicious. I like all of them. Oh, and also, okay, I know I've said it before. I finished Jane the Virgin this week. So good. So good. Everyone needs to watch it. Jaime Camille is a treasure. Yes. I feel about it like the same way I feel about Schitt's Creek, but like different different feeling but the same intensity and it was so beautiful so melissa if you ever want to marry me i'm here i I don't think i could live through utah winters honey or else i'd i'll move to texas i love texas okay let's do it to san antonio i will i will bring a a cake by edith the cakes by edith she makes the best dress and i'll come marry you (laughs) that would be amazing i'll bring you a woody <laughs> Let's all move in together, and that way. No, we we're not going anywhere near your basement, Andy. No, we <laughs> well, we couldn't have a basement because you... it's Texas. We're more than just your toy box. People oh, don't realize that because they think there's a basement in the Alamo. There's got to be a basement in all of the Texas places, right? <laughs> oh man, now we're gonna get on the Alamo again. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck the Alamo! The Alamo. Oh God! <laughs> Now you're the native San Antonian. I've had this rant before on this podcast. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Go back and listen to it. Worth listening to. Okay, but uh, Jane the Virgin, Shit's Creek, Toy Story, all amazing things. Uh, what? What's? Is there anything else that that we love here? Do we want to just start moving into to box office and studio notes? else okay the only other thing i had to talk about was just all of the and you and we've all talked about it i just was listening when you guys were talking about it but all of the gags are so great i didn't under like when melissa said that she was excited because of miss potato head being in this one and how funny she was like she really was so funny and it just it continued through the whole thing so like even though you're getting these really heavy vibes and themes from this movie like the gags were so on point throughout the entire thing and I hope that keeps up for the rest of the movies I don't know but um. and none of it felt forced right because like like okay like Marvel movies have a lot of um, levity they have a lot of humor and sometimes it's perfect and then other times it just it's like formulaic it feels forced but nothing about the levity and the the laughs that counter counterbalance the drama nothing about it felt forced in this movie at least not to me and that was just another thing that i enjoyed because when it feels forced it takes you out of the movie a little and i yeah. never felt that way here it was like the ant-man of the marvel movies yeah <laughs> it was one of the funniest movies i've ever seen but it was it, none of it like it was so naturally flowing like 
everything that Mrs. Potato Head says, it's like this would actually be her conversation, which makes it that much funnier. And I'm really glad you clarified when you said the Ant-Man of the Marvel movies, because some people don't like Ant-Man movies, and so like I was like, is that good or bad? Like, I guess it depends oh. on your perspective. I think they're great. So like, one of my know. favorites. They're delightful. <laughs> Those people are crazy. So, um, okay. Can I can well, I do a quick studio note before you do box office? One last um, thing. no, because we do studio notes after the box office. That's right. Okay, I'll do it. I'll say it for yeah. you. Ooh, we'll... deny that was <laughs> objection. <laughs> so just because anyway. they're your sibling. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just trying to keep order here. <laughs> no, I I'm trying know. to keep this crazy train on 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 its tracks. If it was okay. Chinese, actually, I would I'm yeah. Someone's got to be law and order around here. No, just... <laughs> anyway, okay. Toy Story 2 had a uh, a limited release New York, LA, November 19th, 1999, uh, but went wide uh, a week later on November 26th, uh, 1999. Uh, it ended up making 245 point nine million dollars at the domestic box office uh inflation adjusted that would be 439.5 so almost like half of half a billion dollars in in today's money um it made an additional 265 and a half worldwide uh making it for uh for the total the third highest grossing film of 1999. Um, can, does anybody know what the number one and number two are? The number one should be fairly obvious if you think about it. Star Wars? Star Wars, yes. Yeah. Uh, the number two, uh, we may not remember how much that this movie was so insanely popular, Um but Bruce Willis seeing dead people, The Sixth oh, Sense. Very popular. Very, very popular. Uh, we almost forget with with as much as Shyamalan has kind of gone downhill in the um, in in his films. But uh, this uh, this movie actually it it also came out uh, one week after uh, another movie that we have covered on this podcast. Uh, the world is not enough. So, um, which ironically uh, opened at number one, and then uh, Toy Story obliterated, and it's not anywhere even in the top ten. That's <laughs> because Christmas after. only comes once a year, Andy. That's, That's right. <laughs> because everybody, everybody got. Um, Everybody got word about Bond not being quite so good. Uh, um, <laughs> that was a really nice way to put it. How horrible that movie was! <laughs> not so good. Uh huh. That's a not so good, especially not compared to Toy Story Two. Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie was monstrous at the box office, and even more in uh, obviously uh, uh, merchandising which the film alludes to. Uh, so studio notes. Kit, I know you've got one locked and loaded. So <laughs> go for it. 
So I think, you know, going off our earlier conversation, representation is really important in movies and pop culture in general. You know, we're going to really rip into Spanish mode buzz next week because it's really problematic. But I wanted to talk really fast about the openness with which Rex accepts and kind of like embraces his mental illness and uses it as a coping skill. So like in the first one, he's like, great, now I've got guilt. And like, you know, he, you know, the way he comments on his behavior is very meta, but it's also to me a great way for a person with anxiety to represent themselves because he, he's not making himself the butt of everyone's jokes. He's just like, you know, I think using humor to diffuse the fact that he is constantly dealing with the world being way too much. The world is more than enough. It is everywhere, everything, all at once. But, you know, especially that part where the guy is shoving stuff up your, your ass um, when you have an anxiety disorder. So as as far as representation, it's not my favorite representation of someone with mental illness. Um, but the fact that we're actually able to say like, hey, there's more than one type of representation that matters. And it's, you know, it's it's taking baby steps in this movie. And so good job Wallace That's John in, you know, being, being out. Because I think being out as a person with a mental illness is honestly less acceptable in America than being out as a queer person. Um, so, you know, way to go. How did I miss the shoving things up your butt part? Well, I mean, that's Mr. Potato Head more than Rex, isn't it? Yeah, yeah Mr. Potato Head sent him out with a lot of shit in his ass. Oh, yeah. That's how they do in their marriage. Okay. I was just, I thought she was talking about the dinosaur, about Rex getting things shoved up his, and I was like, I No, I was talking I, about everything everywhere all at once and trying oh. to make a, a go plug yourself illusion just really badly. I'm sorry. I couldn't stop thinking about shoving things in a dinosaur's butthole, and so I just got really confused. That's, that was, that, that was the Jurassic Park movie where they were checking his poop. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> Don't dinosaurs have a cloaca rather than I, a? I, I believe so. Yeah, so that's yeah. why they had to change the spelling from dinosaur to dinosaur. <laughs> no, uh, never mind. No, I got you. No. <laughs> Ouch! I appreciate the effort, JB. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I try. <laughs> All right, who el who else has got some studio notes? Anything you'd change in here? I think they should have like sent us into the theaters with a fucking thing of tissues for the yeah. song. You know what Same. song I'm talking about? I do. I feel like I was the only one who was prepared during up. Like I had my little package of Kleenex oh, sure. because I was so tired of walking out of Pixar movies with like the ugly cry snot. And it's like, you know, we yeah. should just expect to be beaten by now. Like emotionally, there's just a lot of emotional like manipulation and abuse in this movie. And it's, you know, sometimes taken by us. I'm still waiting to learn that lesson. 
so I think the only hard thing for me was just because my toy has a tear in it, I still take it with me. Like, I don't understand the, oh, he's got a tiny rip in his arm. I can't take him to cowboy camp. Yeah, he didn't want it to get worse. I mean, scotch tape, right? Something. I've, I've just, I've just never had a toy where it was like, oh, the arm fell off up to the top with the penguin. You know, I, I was the toy surgeon in our house because I like decided it would be cool to be like my grandmother and learn needlepoint when I was like seven. Nice. Um, and so whenever anything got a tear, I would just sew it up and it was, it was real bad. Like Andy's, Andy's sewing job looks way better than some of mine did. Um, but I had confidence and you know, so like actually like some of Sid's toys fixing kind of like I was like oh it was it was what I you know I meant well but that did sort of happen yeah. um, you were like eight so yeah okay. I was, yeah. I, was I was like yeah I was like eight with like Elmer's glue and embroidery floss so right. you know but the, like those my our little brother and sisters penguins those guys have some scars oh and... those penguins <laughs> those penguins <laughs> were great yeah they were our, our younger brother and sister. Well, Kit, do you want to tell the story? Because they're so, yeah. They, uh, I went to spring break in San Diego, and I got dropped off at at uh, SeaWorld back when you know SeaWorld seemed less problematic. Before anyway, we knew, right? Before we knew about <laughs> the horrible, horrible thing. SeaWorld was my favorite place because they were like we're all about conservation. So I thought I was really supporting a great mission when I bought the toy, like a, was it, I think it was an emperor penguin and a Galapagos penguin. But there was like the one that looks like he's wearing a tuxedo and the one that's got like the crap coming out of the Oh, the, em- the emperor penguin? Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, I brought them home and I, I just kind of handed them ashamed to my little brother and sister thinking they're gonna think i'm so full of crap and fatso and twiggy became like movie stars we made movies with them they went on all the road trips they were they were very popular and hilarious characters fatso and twiggy beloved beloved members of the wilson family yeah fatso and twiggy were great care they were but they man i did a lot of surgery (laughs) (laughs) they were less they were a little less sad by the time i was a teenager though i had more skills great great toys though um any other studio notes okay um i i mean i feel bad giving any studio notes on this because i feel like given that they had nine months to make the movie. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I agree with JB. Like, more more songs, please. But, like, I don't, I don't know. Probably not reasonable to expect some of that. Um, but that being said, we did get a banger of a script. What are everyone's favorite one-liners or quotes? Um, I am prepared for you, you all to have multiple. So... I loved, um, I can't stop Andy from growing up, but I wouldn't miss it for the world. That one gets you on the field. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not a parent, but I imagine that's exactly what a parent feels like, you know? 
Yep. So I'm just gonna go, because uh, Mrs. Potato Head really Ooh. stole the show with that, that outtake where it was like, got your shoes and your angry eyes and the monkey chow. Why do I need monkey chow? For the monkeys, of course. Uh, that that was just great. Um, and it broke my heart because I, I thought it was an actual line in the movie, but it was like one of those outtakes. Um, the outtakes looked, were brilliant though. The I outtakes were the best part. And I, cause I looked, but I looked at uh, John and I was like, did they take that line out on Disney Plus? Why would they take out that line? Because you know, there's some, there's been some things that was like, where where'd this song go, Disney Plus? But um, uh, but they did not. Uh, so, but I really, for me, it was the sight gags in this movie that were my favorite. Like when Joe, like when uh, the oh my gosh, Josie, I'm having a mental breakdown. Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. So Jesse and Bullseye are like roughhousing with Woody and Bullseye's saddle falls down and he inches off the screen like his pants fell off. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Rex in the rear view mirror. I mean, there are just so many great sight gags in this movie that they're not even lines. They're just beautiful moments like of laughter. That's that's my that's my favorite one as well is uh, when Buzz Lightyear is running through the uh, um, through the baggage area and and he has a sticker on on his butt that says Butte. That, that's that was so my great. Favorite. That and yep. the Etch-a-Sketch. Oh, the Etch-a-Sketch. Oh, the Etch-a-Sketch etch self-drawing everything. Put that man in a chicken suit. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So funny. Great. Um, what's the, what was the, I, the Rex part with the, I can't push the fire and jump at the same time because oh, yeah. I'm like short arms. <laughs> All of us who play video games have been there, even with long arms sometimes. Yes. But no, I'm with you, Andy. The 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 butte um, and the the etch a sketch. I think, like you said, kid, the the sight gags just um, so funny. Is there a part where Stinky Pete is like, I can't find my pick, and he's picking his butt? Yeah, it's in. Yeah, well, that's in the. Uh, really it's in the right? flashback the to the TV show. Now, yeah. I some reason that's stuck in the back of my mind too like i need my pick to pick my Where, where's my pick and it's, yeah sticking out of his behind yeah um okay there's so many of these i don't know how we're gonna do this who's the best side character here i don't know jesse i i I have a well. I just Jessie... think there's so much growth with Jesse, and she like she enables so much of the the darker, deeper, not necessarily darker, but the deeper themes of this movie and her interactions and like I... her excitement and her exuberance and her sadness and like all the themes. Like I I really appreciate. I don't necessarily like. She's not like the person I would want to hang out with. And my my favorite. No offense, Joan Cusack. Um, but I like her character in the movie. Yeah, I I agree. 
Except I think Jesse might be a main character. Yeah, that was what I, I don't know. Oh. Because I'm, I'm, I'm like, is she? No, <laughs> she doesn't show up until two thirds of the way through yeah. the movie. So it's like twenty. You minutes. Have a point. Yeah. If if she is a side character, yes, she absolutely is the best one. Um, my my favorite character is Emperor Zerg riding on Bullseye with the speak and spell in his hand. <laughs> That's pretty great. Because um, like you said, you you can't pick one i mean and, and to brooks point some of the characters are probably more main characters because everybody kind of has equal screen screen time right like jesse and stinky pete have as much screen time as you know buzz and some of the Slinky others dog and yeah. yeah in many ways so um, yeah shout out to the cleaner for being how a lot of us are with our toys so, <laughs> Actually, I was going to say seeing Jerry again made me so happy. Mm -hmm. Like just, you know, him him having lines. I was like, it's Jerry! Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh so, my gosh. That yeah. was that was Davey's reaction when we went and saw it. He was literally like tugging on my shirt. He's like, it's Jerry! And I'm like, who? And he's like, it's Jerry from Jerry's game. I'm like, I don't know who you're talking about. Um, cause I totally missed it. Cause again, media blackout for two years, I had missed that short. So I, I want to say like, I'm having a very vivid memory of Davey watching me watch this and, and mm. me going, Oh my God, it's Jared. He's like, I know. Right. Like so <laughs> he, he would totally do that. Wouldn't he? Where he would, he would watch something with you and not watch the movie. He would just watch to make sure you did the appropriate Reaction. That you, that you caught the thing. Like, yep. Did you miss that, that was thing? My, no. so, the first time so, I ever saw The Usual Suspects was with you and Davey, and you were both like looking right <laughs> at me for the first time. We did. We did the George like, McFly. We did the George McFly to you. We were like looking at you at the soda counter. You're like, <laughs> eh? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But I have yeah, really I have to say I had an inverse amount of joy seeing Jerry in Brave as hmm. as the witch. Like that made me very disappointed and kind of angry at Pixar. It's like hmm. I love I love Jerry, but casting him as as the witch in the woods was was not cool Pixar because that's like saying any any elderly educated female is basically your little old man in the park playing chess with himself. But I mean, then again, maybe Jerry's trans and just was only out in ancient Scotland. Who knows? I don't know. You don't mess with the Fae. That's all I know is there, you know, there's, I always just figured there was like a Fae copy version of Jerry that existed like hundreds of years before I mean, maybe, so. you know, so, okay, this is making me happier thinking that Jerry is genderqueer and just is whoever they want to be, like, um, oh man, like I'm losing all the names. No, not like Gozer, like the reindeer in Frozen, the genderqueer oh, like reindeer. Sven. Like Sven. Sven. You know, wait, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm happy again. But yes, like Gozer, because <laughs> Gozer can be, you thought Gozer yeah. was a man. No, Gozer's whatever he wants to be. Yeah, Gozer is David. Gozer is yeah. David Bowie. It can it can do whatever it wants. Yeah, 
Doses in space. Andy, <laughs> I respectfully disagree. If the Fae show up, you should always mess with them. You've been true. <laughs> uh, at this point, I'd let the Fae mess with me, sure. Take me off no. to the kingdom. Um, no! Whatever. You don't oh. want to miss that life calling. Look at what comes from messing with the Fae. Oh, no. There's going to be some weird Andy-shaped changeling going out there as a Republican and, like, you know, making oh, everybody geez. go back to gas and coal. Well, I don't want to no. unleash Andy that Andy as a Republican would, like, change the party and save the world. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. but as a, I don't know. There's don't no know. hope for it anymore. <laughs> anyway. Even Andy can't change it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My favorite line was the dime shelf. Oh, yeah. The dime store shelf line. Um, was the, I'll tell you what's not fair. Spending a lifetime on a dime store shelf watching every other toy be sold. <laughs> That's pretty terrible. I think we've all felt that. Like, mm -hmm. I thought it was a really powerful line. Yeah. Uh, side characters, I... I go back and forth either either Bullseye or Buster because they both are essentially they're both the dogs of the you know as much as Bullseye is a horse he's you know he acts more like a dog which is fun you know um, we we need that energy and Buster provides that in the opening of the movie and Bullseye has it at the end and then we get to see them both that's fun. Um, JB, I'm surprised you're not you're not uh, nominating Wheezy. I mean, I guess I guess if he's in the cart next to Emperor Zerg on Bullseye, with you know <laughs> the etch a sketch, um, I, I support. I, I you know I thought Wheezy was it, Wheezy was doing his part until the end when he had the best song, um, but. Yeah, there's. That's like you said, Andy. I mean, how do you go wrong? Yeah. Well, that that leads us into best song. Are Are you really gonna say Robert Goulet singing "You Got a Friend in Me" is better than Sarah McLaughlin singing "When uh, <laughs> You Love Me"? Like, up your heart. I just get the ASPCA shakes when I hear Sarah McLaughlin yes. singing. Yes, so, dare you to say it? Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't do overly sensitive Sarah McLaughlin because of all those commercials. Oh. So that's what I, I hear, listen I to will, when I'm really depressed. If I hear I will remember you with a sad puppy on the TV ever again, I'm like, you can't get any more of my money. So. But no, that I mean, there's two songs, right? So one is definitely better than the other, but mm -hmm. they're both perfect in the locations of the film that they're in. No, that's true. So, uh, both great. You just found my Cartman song. <laughs> Is, I will remember I you. Will by you let your heart. <laughs> oh no! Now, uh, now you're gonna ruin no, that for all me. All done. All done. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's funny because last time we were talking about how sometimes it's better when Randy Newman doesn't sing his own songs. Yes. 
you know, with Andy's delightful rendition of the song where, you know, I would, I could fly if I wanted to, which was in my head all week. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, oh but... no, it can't be true. And so I'm imagining how different the, the movie's tone would have been if Randy Newman had been like, if she loved me. And yeah, no, seriously. Like, it would have been much less heartbreaking, which would have been okay with me, I think. But then I was, you know, of course, taken off on a tangent where I was like, how could you make this song more heartbreaking? Maybe if we had, like, Robert Smith sing it or Alanis Morissette. And now I'm thinking, well, what about Robert Goulet? Uh, no. Much nope. less heartbreaking, but, you know, what if they just a lot put more dying speed. puppies on the screen as she was singing it? Yeah, uh, no. Ugh, for me, yeah. for me, Sarah McLaughlin is the pinnacle of like yeah. most likely to tug at my heartstrings music. Oh, so. yeah. It's, it's like built in there now because that ASPCA commercial it's it's not even it's not even that even prior to that like it's like hey andy what are you listening to oh the cure depeche mode okay andy's cool no problem what are you listening to toe the wet sprocket Ooh, you okay buddy hey andy what are you listening to uh sarah mclaughlin surfacing Ooh, Uh, are you okay do we need to talk are you all right we've lost andy that's when you do that metal Somebody bring the ice cream. Houston. No, not ice cream. Oh my gosh. Because that's that's one of the songs that'll trigger me. We just need oh, to do all of those. Sorry. We need to do all of Andy's trigger songs as Michael Bublé, and then he'll feel much better. Yeah. Uh, hey, go. that'll that'll work. Or Robert <laughs> Goulet. Yeah. Michael Bublé or Goulet. Weird how they all have similar last names. Everyone here knows how to fly. Because it's a long way down. I just want you all to know it is October 16th, so it is about four and a half weeks till our Buble sightings start up again. Oh, yeah. Well, lots of fun. Ugh. Holiday Buble. Holiday Buble. It's a coming. Okay. Um, I don't even need to ask this for this movie, but is this a good movie? Yeah. Yep. Duh. This is probably in like the top five movies that we've ever covered on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So that was a really good movie. Uh, Is the main character a good person? Um, Define that however you would want to. I think, yes, I think they're they're all good in this movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Stinky Pete is misguided. Right, not yeah. even not an evil character, but just like you said, Brooke, just misguided and mistreated and all kinds of. So there, yeah, there really isn't a bad character, except for Newman, freaking Newman. Yeah, I hate that chicken man. I hate that chicken man. I feel like the mom is also at fault for making toys so cheap. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that probably also a bad idea. Yes, um, and and are we showing this to children? Guilty. Only the good children. Yeah, 
I watched I watched this with with my kids and they really liked it a lot. They hadn't they hadn't actually sat down and watched it ever before. Really? Yeah. Did they watch the first one? I I think maybe, but I don't know. They're they're weird. They like you know, there it's it's like those movies that like, oh, I've never actually sat down and watched this before, but like somehow I know everything about it. You know, the a lot of the Disney catalog for them is like that. So, because you know, mom and dad are watching them all the time for some reason, and they just wander away and start, you know, playing YouTube or something instead, and then they come back a little later. But no, this was actually fun. Yeah, I think I mean this is obviously good to show to kids. I would show it to my kid, but I'm also glad that I had a moment to watch it on my own and let all the deep things, like, to not have to be, like, semi-conscious of my child next to me as I was watching it. So I could mm -hmm. do both. Watch it for you and watch it for them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's Toy Story 2. Um, next week we're going to talk about Spanish Mode Buzz. <laughs> and Toy Story 3 and the true Hollywood story of lots of hug and bear. Um, so get ready for that. Um, I'm really excited to talk about Toy Story I don't know how to get 3. ready for that. <laughs> 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 You're so confused right now. Get your tissues ready, y'all. Yeah, get your yeah, get your tissue. Have your tissues ready because there is there's yeah, a lot. Um, Except the incinerator and, part, JB's favorite part of any movie ever. I, I am a little afraid to finally understand this. It, it, it won't do it. It won't be justice at home as it was in a room full of a thousand three to six year olds. No. Will, it's a totally different experience. But we all have to find a bunch. For, and it I saw it on IMAX for the first time with a bunch of kids, and yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, it's it's super dramatic. You want to know what's room. even crazier? Yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll bring this up next week, but as you rewatch it this week for this, imagine this. Pixar decides that what they're going to do is rather than just release a trailer, they're going to release the first like 60-some-odd minutes of the film. And they cut it off at that moment where oh, they're in the wow. incinerator about to go in. Oh, come on. And like, that's it. They're like, okay, come back to see the real thing in three months. Oh, wow. And so people were talking about this movie for like, um, for a long time. And like, oh my gosh, all the toys are going to die. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, they did all these crazy preview screenings. Imagine if, like, that was your first time seeing this movie, that it went up to that, like, climactic point, and then you're like, you have to come back in in a month or two to see the real thing. Crazy. Man. Freaking Those Pixar. evil bastards. I'm going to have to go watch it tonight just to like, resolve all of this. Yeah. No, it's it's good. I mean... Uh, again, Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 2 are like neck and neck, I think, in terms of how amazing they are. Uh, that's it. Uh, quick reminders. Um, go 
go vote in the Facebook poll. We've only got two more weeks uh, about until we we close that, and then we're going to do our 100th episode, State of the Franchise, figuring out what we're going to do in Season 3. So get your votes in if you haven't already. Um, start making deals with, uh, with Archfey and uh, Eldritch Gods, if need be, to... Uh, you know, boost what you want. Um, and, but thanks to everyone for voting in that already. Uh, and and to the four of you, get prepared with your picks so we can all... I will um, come vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> will you come vote for me? Yeah, no. A, a lot of Okay, that's it. See you later. We're we're done. I can see Andy's face where he's like everybody. Throw back your hair and kiss it all goodbye. Thank you. That will be all. God damn it! That's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.